for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode 59. What's up, Neil? 59. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Got warm on us. Now it's getting cold again. You've been out there in the rain all day. Yeah. Mm. Time for a drink, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I got I got a bargain bourbon tonight, man. I wanted to have you try and see what you think. I think it's a Buffalo Trace product. But well, I, I you know, know I love Buffalo Trace, so we'll see. So you can get this bottle for about 13 bucks, maybe 14 Old Charter, eight, and there's a story behind that eight. <laughs> so, all right, tell me about the eight. All right, so used to you, you can tell that this doesn't have a very deep color pouring it. Uh-uh. You see that? Yeah, but yeah. So it's like dirty sprite. Before two thousand, <laughs> before two thousand fourteen, this top right here it said aged eight years. It was an eight year bourbon, and then they took the aged and years off, and they just had an eight. And uh, apparently there was a lawsuit um, because uh, pe- people were saying that they were trying to still sell this as an eight-year-old bourbon, knowing that it's not. I think I don't even know if this is true. I could totally be making it's definitely true. I could totally be making this up, <laughs> but I think the story was the eight stood for eight seasons. So like it was a two-year bourbon. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Uh, Winter, spring, summer, fall. Uh, eight seasons. So that's kind of shady if that's true. Well, I guess we need to taste it to find out. Let's see but where cheers. it's at on our uh, bourbon scale. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Man. Oh. It's got a little el- ethanol nose. It's not bad. It's not. That's not bad it's at not. all. I mean, it's not, it's not going to blow you away, but it's not a bad bourbon. Dude, that doesn't hurt at all. I was expecting some pain. No, it's, uh, it's only 80 proof and it's... Oh, okay. It's got a... It's not bad. No. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's compare it to another cheapy. You may not even remember what this tastes like. You don't drink it very often. Neither one of us do, but I wonder how this tastes compared to Benchmark. I'd like to have I it have side Benchmark by side. I the house. I almost brought some. Oh, yeah? I think Benchmark... Man, I don't know. I bet that... I think Benchmark might have it. Benchmark is not this sweet, is it? No. This is like really sweet. It does have a sweetness to it. But that's a uh, old charter. All right, so let's. Uh, I guess we probably need to talk about our guest because this got is our little buddy back. Our buddy's back, man. Before Spencer left to go to uh, Guyton, was it Guyton? What is it? Gallup. Yeah, Brian Gallup. Gallup. 
By yep. the way, welcome, Spencer. Yeah, welcome, Thank Spencer. You. Spencer Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, so you went to Luthier School, man. Tell us all about it, because uh, we missed you. Spencer brought a handmade guitar in. It's pretty cool. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Oh, man. I'm just looking at it right now. Bit. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome. It's beautiful. We hardly have any room to move in the studio with all the instruments in here right now. <laughs> it's not a bad problem. It's <laughs> no. my favorite problem. It is not a bad problem whatsoever. It's starting to look like Spencer's basement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Spencer. So tell us where you've been, man. So, uh, for the past six months, I've been in Big Rapids, Michigan at the uh, Brian Gallup School of Luthery. I took the master's course, which is a master luthier's course uh, that, you know, is six months and we build four guitars out of that. We build a solid body electric, um, which is similar to like a PRS style. It isn't exactly a PRS style, but... <laughs> It has humbuckers, three knobs, a three-way toggle switch, um, you know, ash body, maple cap with a uh, rosewood fretboard, maple neck. Uh, and then uh, the How did it turn out? That was your first build? Yeah, that was my first build ever. How did it turn out? I, I really love that guitar. Like, for an electric, it plays really well. Um, I... I want to put some heavier strings on it, upgrade some of the parts a little bit since, you know, at school we can't get Seymour Duncan pickups and stuff like that. So does everybody on there, uh, as far as electronics, it's just here's what we have. Everybody's using the same thing. We're working on the build, not necessarily worried about the other stuff, right? With that one in particular. Yes. So yeah. what was that like? When you went in and, and you have the first day and they're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build, you already knew going in, you had these four builds. And then a six-month period to build four guitars is is a daunting task. Number one, you add an amp in that. That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you get that that project and you're, you're looking at the specifics of how to do this and the tools involved and things. Was most of this stuff the first time you've ever touched any of these tools and Worked in any of these type of uh, situations? Yeah. Um, I had never, ever done any type of woodworking ever before. I've never carved anything. I had never, you know, used all the equipment that we used. Like we used a drill press. We used uh, routers, table routers, plun routers. And um, also, I mean, chisels. Chisels were a whole thing. I mean, they're sharp. They're kind of scary looking. <laughs> and, you know, they can get... I've seen some people that have hurt themselves really bad from not using them right. So mm. it's kind of scary to kind of just be thrown in, especially on the first day. Oh, yeah. The first day uh, walking in, you know, I was really anxious and, you know, I was kind of filled with anxiety and... Uh, you know, I'm like, man, how am I going to do compared to all these other guys? You know, how old am I compared but, to all these uh, other that's guys? That's what I was going to ask. Like, when you're walking in that first day, you're, you've got nerves, but are you looking at other adults? So, I mean, you know, yeah. you're 19, now 20. And um, how many? How many people were in the school with you? Um, we had, in our class, we had 15 people. Okay. And, um, and were you the youngest? Yeah, I was the youngest. Were you the youngest by, you know, a, a few years or quite a bit or? Yeah, 
by quite a bit. Um, I was 19. The only other person that was, or the second youngest person was uh, 23. Okay. So, you know, there, there was a pretty good gap there. Who was the oldest? Uh, the oldest, uh, we had this really cool guy named Chris. And he was 78. Wow, that's and, awesome. And uh, he just retired. He lives in Florida. He uh, is. He ran his own medical uh, company. He made uh, different types of uh, vitamins and stuff. And he was like, you know, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being the business guy. I want to go do something crafty. I want man, to what's built down at 78? I was going to say, man, he should have. <laughs> goodness gracious. He should have done that 18 years ago. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's all right, Chris, though. At least you did it now. That's right. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, did, yeah. you, did, did you start off with a solid body electric because that's the easiest build? Is that why you guys started with that? Um, I believe so. Because the so the way that we got them, um, they have a CNC there, so they have a huge sixty thousand dollar CNC. What's that? that? Uh, it is a computer numer- numerical controller, and um, that is basically it takes a bunch of router bits and it carves the entire guitar right there on the platform. So you put a pattern into the CNC and it... Mm-hmm. It'll cut out that. So yep. is that all yeah. a solid body one-piece wood or is that... It's a two-piece. Two-piece. Yeah. And that's pretty it's typical, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's normal for, uh, for an, a solid body electric to have a two-piece. Did you paint it? Yes, sir. I did all the finish work on it myself. So with that one, was there any binding or anything involved in the solid body or did you just, was it uh, electronics, put all the stuff on, make sure everything is is ran correctly, uh, put your finish and all that stuff on it and then move on to the next one. So that one, yeah. how, how long did it take to get through that one? Um, so that solid body electric only took me about a month um, and then, yeah, like you said, it was, there was no complex you know, things that we were learning how to do with this. Uh, it, it was just to learn the basics, to learn how to do a setup, to learn how to put on a finish, how to put on stain onto wood, um, how to, you know, use calipers. It was the first time I've ever used calipers, which is, it measures in thousands of an inch. Mm. And so, you know, it was all really just to teach us all of those, yeah. all of those important basics that we need to know from day one. That's cool. Yeah. So before we get more into the school, you're, uh, your mom's a high school principal. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did, uh, so you graduate from high school and you, and you go to Luthier school. Mm-hmm. How, how did that conversation go? Um, so I'm really blessed in that I have some of the coolest parents because they, ever since I was little, no matter what it was, um, they have supported me and, uh, they I told they me, mm-hmm. they told me, I mean, they were like, you know, you can go to college or you can go to, you know, a luthier school, a trade school. And, uh, my dad being a trade worker or a tradesman and him being a tool and die maker. Um, you know, I saw that side of how, you know, a trade goes mm-hmm. and how that side of the business trying to get a job and all that. Yeah. While then my mom is the high school side and she went to college. She has a master's degree. She has several. And so she is definitely, you know, the, you know, the books, 
I was I'd say from you know because I'm uh, Spencer and I've been playing music for a few years now and I've been around um, enough to see it and and I was so happy for him and proud of them at how supportive and, and, and encouraging they were for him to follow that you know because I yeah. I think the one thing I always think about when I think about this schooling is the math and the things that involved that you didn't like yeah um, in school in a school setting at all, it was tough. You know, you, you always had to seem like you worked to get your grades. You really had to, and you talked about hating dealing with numbers and things like that. And so, uh, to be able to encourage you to go do something and, and use numbers, math and all these things that you end up, you know, working with calipers and thousands of, and you, you know, you got a, a different type of education, but you were still yeah. learning. Yeah. And there's another side to that too. I mean, if you look, if you look at just the state of things now, there are a lot of people with college degrees having trouble finding jobs than there are people than, than there are skilled tradesmen. Oh yeah, having trouble finding jobs. Well, and that's mm-hmm. part of why you know that all the programs that they have at Fairdale, you know, they got kids coming out making a ton of money that are doing those trade programs. Yeah. It's, it's there's yep. so much benefit to that. So, yeah, and, and you know, you're kind of already seeing the benefit of going up there and, and doing the luthier school because you've already got guitars that you're working on and people come to you and then you know you walk into a store mm-hmm. your to, friends will keep you busy for two years <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you make them pay yeah. <laughs> including yeah. us yeah now we have to pay you yeah, yeah. it's your profession no yeah. more freebies man. no more freebies <laughs> yeah you're a pro now dude <laughs> so after that uh first guitar are you simultaneously working on a second guitar as you've already started the first guitar? Yes. Now, I I remember the amp coming out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Was that something else that started at the same time, or is that a separate thing as well? So, um, the amp that I built, um, that was... So, with the school, they had, like, extracurricular classes that you can take. Uh-huh. So, uh, they had an amp building class. They had a tool sharpening class. They had an inlay class that taught you how to do you know, the art of inlay and, um, you know, just woodworking and deep carving and stuff like that. And so they had a bunch of those, but those were on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that ant took about four days. So it took two weekends and, um, with the acoustic guitar. So I built two acoustics. The, uh, first acoustic that I built, I was building at the same time that I was building the electric. Okay. And, and, and is that the Dreadnought? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's okay. the modern Dreadnought. Okay, yeah. so you're building the Dreadnought as you're finishing that up. And then the mm-hmm. the whole amp process was basically on its own thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's still involved with the school, but mm-hmm. that isn't your day today. Yes. Did you guys use solid wood all the way through all the builds, or did you use some laminate? Or So, uh, the first two guitars that we did... Um, so the solid body electric and the dreadnought acoustic, those two are solid wood. Okay. Um, the one that I brought today and the arch top that I built, those have laminate sides. And, um, uh, just learning about that process was fascinating. Like learning the science behind, you know, the difference between having a solid wood instrument and having one that's made out of laminates or like a plywood mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and one of the things that they taught us was you don't need something to be crazy expensive for it to be really nice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why they taught us how to do the lamination process. Because nowadays, even boutique builders are starting to move to towards lamination because with humidity, it you know, you have less of a variant in there. Mm. So it, it is more controlled. So there's some benefits to laminate? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, of course, there are, you know, benefits and, you know, downgrades to both. Yeah. But... But I wonder if laminate ages over time like wood, does it eventually sound different in 25 years hmm. than a good, you know, an all wood guitar? Hmm. I have no idea. I have never Me even either. thought about it. I've never contemplated that thought well, because you know, you know, yeah. you have a 1954, you know, D41. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to boom. I would think it's not. Uh, <sighs> you still got not, some not knowing on not, the top, but. Yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't think it would open up the same because in laminate, I mean, you've got glue in there, right? Well, um, so they were using, they taught us how to use epoxy, so it's actually like chemically bonded together. So, I mean, there's it, no vibration in between those laminates. Yeah, so, so there, uh, it pretty much moves as one piece of wood. But that's not going to. My thinking was uh, that's not going to be as porous mm. as wood. Mm. So it seemed yeah. like it would Especially contain contain bonded. more of the sound, but I have no idea what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I might, you know, I might have to run some experiments well, on that. I'll tell you what, man, in 25 years, you'll be able to play your two uh, customs beside each other and know, mm-hmm. right? Because one's all wood and this one has the back, uh, the side laminates. Yeah. Is the back laminate or is it? No. So just the sides? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, just you do. The sides. I mean, you know, when you just think about those of us that like to just check out guitars all the time and you're looking at specs, you see a lot of laminate sides. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. I yeah. mean, if you're not paying now, you know, a grand or more, mm-hmm. you're pretty much going to get a laminated side. back and side unless mm-hmm. you find, you know, $100 cedar stuff somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. They are. <laughs> looking at it right now. <laughs> So you guys jumped right into building. Mm-hmm. So did, yeah. You probably took some safety courses on the tools, or how did that go? Uh, Just say yes. Not, Just, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, yes, we did. Um, it, they, they were really cool and very laid back whenever it came to working with equipment. Not in terms of, you know, just like letting us walk up and yeah. use a bandsaw, but they would show us how to do it. Then after... The first month, then they were like, okay, now we can kind of let you have a little bit more freedom. You know, we'll still be in the same room, but we won't be right next to you. Yeah. And then, you know, as time went on, they eventually allowed us just to walk back there and use the equipment as they saw that we were fit for it. Yeah. So. So, uh, second guitar was the Dread. And then when you were building that, had you started on the, that acoustic? What do you call that one? Double O, triple O? So this one is actually, you know. GA? It's qualified as a finger picking guitar. Okay. Okay. And uh, that is because it is a smaller body. It's more or less like an OM, like an orchestra model sized body. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is still big enough to project, but it is, you know, small enough to where you can be delicate with it and get softer tones and different harmonics out of it. And that's your third build? Yes, sir. So when you were, had you started that one as you were finishing the second one? 
No. So, okay, good. Yeah. Because the question really is, after you finished the Dreadnought and mm-hmm. you were getting ready to start on this build, were there things about the, the Dreadnought build that you knew you didn't want to repeat going into that build? Was there something that you did in that and it was like, I learned how to do this different or I learned that I don't like that that way mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this one different? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there were... Um, that's kind of one of the things that I love about Luthery is that you never stop learning. Mm. Like there is not one point where you can say, okay, you know, I don't need to learn about this part anymore. I mean, it's just because there are always new ways and new tools and new methods of doing things. And, uh, so after I got done with the dreadnought, um, I figured out how I wanted to carve braces and the technique that I wanted to use and how I really liked putting on the binding a certain way. And then, uh, you know, there are definitely things about the neck that I really like, but then some things with the finish work that I definitely know I wanted to do different. Like, um, that's another thing, finish work. They made us do all the finish work. So I used nitrocellulose lacquer as a finish, as a spray. So you use the spray just like the uh, Fender Custom Shop video guy? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't have that on Instagram, you should get it. (laughs) (laughs) But learning how to do finish work, um, learning how to wet sand, that, uh, okay, I cannot tell you how much I hate wet sanding. <laughs> so what's wet sanding? We're like legit. So wet sanding is, so after you get done spraying the guitar with lacquer, mm-hmm. you know, you let it cure. So after about a day, two days, then we went back in and we did, uh, we went through stages of sandpaper and doing wet sanding, which is where we take water, like lukewarm water, and we put dish soap in it. And then we put the sandpaper in there, but it's normally a higher grit. So like we start off using a 600 grit sandpaper and then we move all the way up to a thousand. And then if we want to go crazy, we can use, you know, four-aught steel wool. So the process of wet sanding is you get the sandpaper wet, then you take, you have to get the bubbles of the soap. You have to take those separate rub the bubbles on the actual finish on the body of the guitar, which scares you so yeah. much every time. You're not supposed to put water <laughs> on a guitar. <laughs> and But then you take the sandpaper and you lightly go in small circles and eventually it starts scratching up the finish, but only that top layer of finish. So then whenever we go back in to lay down more coats, it's letting that lacquer sink in more and more uh, and okay. more into the wood. <sighs> so then you get that mirror finish. That's process, huh? Oh, yeah. It takes probably, uh, I mean, to spray, it takes four or five days, um, you know, just going in there because you have to, you go in there for about 15 minutes, you spray, and then you come out, and then you have to wait about two hours. <laughs> And so and you go right back in and do the process you, over. You again. did that with that acoustic right there too. Yes, sir. So you got it. Golly, man, I would be scared to death to put yeah. water on that. So how much time did you have to play while you were <laughs> play, play your guitars? While oh, you were there? Uh, 
I mean, I, I suppose we had a lot of time, but, it, you know, working with guitars all day and just, uh, I've never had a job other than playing in Johnstone <laughs> other than, you know, before this. So it was getting used to a job and it was just making me physically exhausted. Oh, yeah. So I was just, at the end of the day, I wanted to kick back, watch some TV and eat dinner and then go to bed. Yeah. So how long were you all working each day? Um, some days we had 13 hour days. Some days we had 14 hour days. Oh, wow. and, um, so they put you through it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I love it though. The, the last guitar mm -hmm. leading that because I think that from that, from the first acoustic to the second acoustic mm -hmm. stepped up your game Yeah. from the first guitar to the last guitar. How much better did you think you got? Which then we'll talk about the last guitar. Yeah, but, yeah. Because before we leave guitar three, since it's sitting there, the reason oh, I was asking yeah. how much he's played, I don't know how rusty he is, but I thought maybe he'd play us some. Why don't you? Yeah, strumming a little bit, man. Let everybody hear your work. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a pick? Uh, I think I actually got one right here on the stand. So that's a beautiful guitar. Sounds good, and you're not even in the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not really in the mic at all. Yeah, I, I let. So number three is probably out of all the guitars uh, that I built. Number three is my favorite. Like it's that's so, why it's here. Yeah. So <laughs> number three it was um, kind of that turning point, it, and it, it made me realize that whenever I'm sitting there and working with the wood and whenever I'm building guitars, it's not, I'm not just building them to make a product. I'm building them to, you know, to keep history going because I'm a huge fan of vintage guitars and Martin and, you know, all of the craziness in the rabbit hole that you can go down whenever mm -hmm. you're looking into those. And, um, you know, that is one thing about guitars that I love. Speaking of uh, vintage Martins, I saw on Instagram you played a pretty special guitar recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was that? Uh, I got to play a 1942 Martin Heronbone D28. Good Lord. What's the price tag on that one? Uh, $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> Did it sound like $100,000? It played and sounded like $100,000. And me being a guitar guy, I would, if I had the chance to buy one, I, I'd sell, I'd sell a good amount of mine he to would, get uh, that one. It's like, all right, what do I want? The house or the guitar? Yeah. <laughs> house, so, car, guitar. So, I don't know. Where, where did you come across that guitar? Um, it was Brian Gallup's. Is that his mm. guitar? Yeah. Yeah. He let me... Uh, so he... They are working on a project there called the Martin Project. And they are figuring out how to reconstruct the guitar to where it sounds a brand new d28 sounds like a 1942 heronbone d28 mm. i mean i mean it goes all the way down to isn't, uh, that the, isn't that what everybody's tried to do forever 
Yeah, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, us being in the school, we got to see all these really cool projects. And um, like we got to see Joe Bonamassa's uh, Flying V before he got to, you know, before he got his hands on it. Uh, the Albert King one uh, made out of walnut. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got to see some parts of the Jerry Garcia Strat one that uh, John Mayer is buying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just just getting to see and be around people that have the ability to make guitars like that and just to see what they can do is amazing. And they're really, really, really close on the Martin Project oh, to yeah. where... I mean, they played, they had both of those guitars. They had the newer one and the 42 down in the room while we were all just kind of sitting there and Brian Gallup wanted us to hear it and and then compare. So what are they, are they trying to figure out ways to age the wood of a new guitar or what are they doing? To be honest with you, I'm not too sure. They it's probably didn't really, let, yeah, they didn't really let us know. That's, that's the answer that the contract says that he had to give. Yeah, that's probably a I don't top, know. top secret right what there. it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, uh, I, I think, I'd, I think it would be something having to do with the way that the actual guitar is tuned. Like how the bracing is tuned. Um, which is a whole bunch of I mean just science and stuff I can't even wrap my mind around Mm-mm. or at least not right now I'm gonna try to eventually but yeah. I just couldn't imagine man so I remember uh, I was just looking at, at your guitar there and I remember Ed Rice talking about one of the most stressful parts of a build is bending the sides yeah did you or anybody in the school have their sides break when they were going through that process uh, luckily enough, no. Really? <laughs> None of us, not one of us had sides, crack or break. And um, But the way that we did the side bending is a little bit different. So we, on the very last guitar, we, um, we hand bent those sides. But on this, on the third guitar that I made, um, that one we put in this jig. And it had like a, it had a mold where it had the shape already, Mm -hmm. you know, into it. And then we take a heating blanket and then put two pieces of sheet metal over top of them. And then, you know, wet them and, you know, wet the wood, put it in aluminum foil. And then we have these like, kind of like roller bars that you pull down and then it locks it in place. And uh, then you just let it sit for, you know, a number of minutes or hours. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's how we mainly did the side bending at school. I think I've seen that machine you're talking about. I think I was watching, like, Thompson or Santa Cruz guitar building, and I've seen mm-hmm. that machine, which is crazy. It's such a cool-looking thing. But, yeah, the, oh, the yeah. whole foil it up and put them in there. Mm-hmm. So, but on your last build, you did, you did it all by hand. You yeah. did the sides on. The, mm-hmm. So the last build is an arch top. Oh, and that's yeah. where. Evan, I just, I saw that on Instagram. That's another beautiful guitar. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank but on you. that, you have to actually sand out that, the arch top itself, don't you? Uh, we hand carved it. We, hand carved it. Yeah, we, uh, that was something that at first sucked. <laughs> because we used these little planes. We didn't even use a chisel or a gouge. 
we use these little bitty Ibex planes. And the Ibex planes are about the size, they kind of look like an egg, but they're about the size of like a Reese cup. And, uh, but they have a radius on the bottom. So whenever you're planing, you know, the, whenever you're planing the radius into the actual body, it is going along with the contour. So it just scoops that out for you. Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah. That one, uh, I, I got my hands on that guitar. That thing is gorgeous. So how, how did so good? How did they teach you guys? I'm I'm just thinking back to our conversation with with Ed at Toeir, mm-hmm. and another thing I remember him talking about was there's an art to deciding when when your when your guitar front is at the thickness to provide the mics the the best tone. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did how did they go about teaching you guys how to do that? Because if I remember, Ed talked about he he said that's something you did. He just got better and better at over the by years. Feel, yeah, by flicking he, it. He would, he would thump it, thump it, and, and listen it. and listen for the tone it produced. <laughs> yeah. So at school, um, the cool part about Brian Gallup is, and, and if anybody looks up Brian Gallup's name, he he is a very very well known luthier. He was one of the guys that grew up with Dan Erlewine and he is the, you know, the face of Stumac, which is the number one luthier supply mm-hmm. shop. And um, Brian Gallup took everything to a scientific approach. So instead of just, because he, he said that field definitely has something to do with it. But also, there are numbers that you can, you know, get every single time. So we went through, we had a bunch of jigs, and I have it all written down. Um, But we went through a whole process of figuring out the deflection, which is how much the actual top will bend from, you know, the, uh, the shoulder and the bout, see how far that bends, and then from the two sides as well. And at a certain deflection, and at that certain number, it'll give you uh, pretty much the perfect tone, or so they say, the perfect tone, even mm-hmm. though it is all subjective. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that, that might be the thing about guitars and, and maybe even being uh, luthery as a... It, it's all so subjective. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, what you, yeah. would you use, how thick, I mean, the what... Just like our conversation the other day, I was telling you, I thought you were going to have a stroke when I told you I hate new strings on an acoustic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just blew That's my... Fair. You just made me blew, blow my <laughs> mic out with I that I do, one. though. I hate... I can't wait for him to get to be about a week He's old. He's like, I like him about two weeks old. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm with Brad on that one. All right. I'm with Brad on that one. I, for some reason, whenever like the... Dead strings? Well... Not I, dead. They're, yeah, they're not dead. They're but just not, worn. Not... Ting, ping, ting, ping, ting, ting, ting. <laughs> Yeah, super bright yeah. and just pokey <laughs> sounding. Yeah, scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> Piercing. Weirdos. <laughs> Piercing. <laughs> Having a nice new set on there feels real nice, though. Yeah. yeah. Having the slick... Oh, man. There's yeah. that sweet spot, though. Yeah, about, about six days. Mm-hmm. Well, I always live in the, in the sweet spot or the negative spot because I don't change things that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I started buying elixirs so they last longer. I'll pay the extra money. Yeah, I remember, uh, I forgot who we were talking to, but you told him you change your guitar strings when they get hairy. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. When they start praying, I guess it's time. <laughs> I used to break them before we got to that point, but I don't break many strings anymore for some reason. Well, it's because we haven't played out in forever. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't gotten excited. Yeah. Yeah, gotten excited enough to break a string. So did they, uh, did they talk to you guys about what it is in a guitar that makes an older guitar develop a better sound? Yes. Yeah, they yeah. did. Um, well, one of the reasons why I'm huge and why I love Martin guitars is because of the rich history that they have. So Martin, for people that don't really know the history of Martin guitars, they invented the flat top acoustic guitar. Before that, it was mainly arch tops. Mm. And, you know, it was a thinner sound and people wanted something that cut through the rest of the band. Especially back in the day whenever, you know, that was in the late 1800s. You know, they they started out of Germany. And then they came over to the U.S. and started building uh, under another company. But then the other company went out of business. Or so I think. Now, I might be wrong on the other business going mm. out. But um, they broke off, started their own, and uh, they stuck to the golden standards that we stick to today, which is most people say that they love the sound of a mahogany back and mahogany sides just because it projects so much. I mean, like, you can have, like, if I had my first Dreadnought acoustic here, um, that guitar has maple back and sides. And if we were to compare my third guitar compared to that Dreadnought, then the uh, smaller body will actually project louder than the Maple and will have more tone variants. So, you know, having... That's one of the things that they said is a... It's always a great go-to for building back and sides. And then with a top, you know, uh, of course you have all the different types. You have spruce, you have Engelman spruce, you have, I mean, cedar, you have all those different types. You have uh, fried shrimp, boiled shrimp. <laughs> shrimp gumbo. <laughs> so, uh, man, overall, yeah. last six months, mm -hmm. what, what's your takeaway? So, the takeaway from the last six months... Um, it was the first time being away from home and living that long, you know, by myself. I had some roommates, but, you know, living, having to... Away from your family. Yeah, yeah. away from the family, away from people friends. that I really knew. All from, yeah, friends, family, everybody. Mm -hmm. You're on your own. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Our yeah. away from was Neil. dirt. It's okay, buddy. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm back now. Right. So, um, the last six months, it taught me how to pay attention how to pay attention to detail and really and that and the crazy part something that Brian Gallup said that all of us in the shop thought that he was just you know saying some BS but he said Luthery whenever you go into the craft of Luthery you're not just working on a guitar you're working on yourself Ooh, because you're not just you know, everyone gets frustrated. But whenever you're working with wood, every piece of wood is different. 
The grain is different. So you never know taking that first slice how that's going to go. You know, you could have it strip out or tear out or chip or have some crazy stuff happen just from the get-go. And it can just make you, I mean, furious. Make you want to take that guitar and just bust it (laughs) on the floor in front of you. But I just kind of figured out how to stay calm through very frustrating situations and how to just keep a clear and easy mind while working with things. And that's, and and it kind of, because while I was up there too, I had some car trouble and it was a pain because it was negative 20 degrees (laughs) on a Monday morning. I went to go start my car. My car wouldn't start. Normally I would flip and just start cussing and getting all upset and, you know, acting like the world is over. But I sat there and I was like, wait a second. If I can fix a broken headstock, I know I can get this car fixed. So there's no worry. You know, I don't have to worry about that. You You know, it's like, but it's all within time. Yeah. You know, it taught me and going into Luthery and working with guitars and repairs taught me as well that time, you know, you you just have to be patient with it. Because, you know, as we all know, whenever you're having fun with something, time flies quick. And whenever something sucks really bad, it goes as slow as a turtle. You know, it's just figuring out how to balance the two. Mm. You know, how to keep a clear, easy mind while working through difficult situations. Bam. So uh, where from here, man? What's your your dream with this? Well, um, my dream at the... You know, at the finish line, I, I'd love to have my own shop eventually. Have my, uh, you know, I want to build guitars. and But I also want to sell other brands too. You know, I want it to be a one-stop shop. You know, you walk in, you can find every instrument you want to, you know, you want to play or you're looking for. Have a bunch of different types of strings at a good price. Have, two weeks ago, he's going to play them all for two weeks, put them back in the package. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm bound. <laughs> hey, these have two weeks worth of dirt on them. The extra ten dollars. <laughs> you pay it with the upcharge. <laughs> but yeah, just have a great. Uh, just have one good spot. Well, I guess you're officially, uh, even though you don't have a a shop right now, yeah. you are open for business, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. So. If somebody needs a little repair or maybe even uh, needs you to, in whatever way, how, mm-hmm. how do they how do they get a hold of you? So uh, I have a Facebook profile. Uh, it's just Spencer Corbin. And uh, you can message me there about any type of work that you'd like to be done. And uh, then I'm also on Instagram. And uh, that is spencer.corbin.sc. I have those two platforms and... Uh, soon I will have business cards and I'm working on getting a website designed Bam. and, you know, having the one spots where people can go to have a, you know. That's right. Central. He's going to get that website. He's going to put used gear on it. There'll be a, a base on there soon that you can buy a double base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that I got today was a, was a three-quarter sized uh, double base. Yeah, man. 
And I've been, I've been trying to get my dad to buy one forever. Man, they're fine. Thousand dollars. Got one right there for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I figured I found out I need to get Spencer to go out to the store with him and negotiate. I think he can get that other one for about fifty dollars with all the stuff he said was wrong with this. So. Oh, the one that had the yeah, the, there was one there that had a broken neck right at the body joint. So like right where the neck and the body were put together, it was just clean cut. Four hundred dollars could be yours for four hundred dollars. Yeah, and then it had a screw going through the fretboard. <laughs> and it, that was holding the glue joint together because the actual glue didn't hold the crack in the repair. So, but then over top the hole, they just put a random piece of ebony in there, and it wasn't even like filed or sanded flush. Is that it was too, just would that be too many battle wounds for you? I know you like no, battle I'd wounds play on your it. I don't give a crap. I'd play yeah. that. Yeah, if they give it to me for that fifty dollars, he'll negotiate it down. Yeah. Too. <laughs> every, every every time I'm looking at instruments with Neil, I'm like, man, it's got a lot of nicks on. Oh man, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love him. He loves the battle scars. Oh, I do too. Bu buckle scratches, <laughs> man. I love it all. Oh yeah. You know uh, that was something that Brian Gallup told us, and uh, he's been in the vintage guitar game for forty plus years. He was like, you know, a guitar is great whenever it's just beaten. To crap. Yeah. Whenever yeah. it looks like Willie's trigger, whenever it looks like Willie's trigger, nobody's going to play golden. a terrible instrument that much. Nope. Right? Yeah. Absolutely not. You don't want one that's pristine in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Man, Spencer, I'm glad you uh, came back and told us about your experience. It's good to see you again. Yeah. It was great being back and it was, it's great to be back and to see you all and to be back with family again and you know i consider you all my family you know we we've i've grown up with you all don't make so. us cry spencer hey you know a couple things though uh we've got coming up actually this might be out by the time this podcast comes out but we, all kinds we of just stuff going uh, on right now don't we we got one shot one mic one song ready to go buddy i know we got our logo uh we've got the first one in the books uh Yours truly, man. So don't uh don't judge me too hard when you see video one of one shot, man. I played uh played an original with my dad and we'll be uh contacting those of you in the Louisville area that can get to the studio to participate. Uh, one shot, one mic, one song. One shot has two meanings. While you're in here, you're gonna enjoy a beverage. Doesn't have to be alcohol, but we usually have alcohol. But if you don't drink alcohol, that doesn't mean you can't participate. One shot also means you run one time through the song, start to finish, and one mic, one microphone in the studio. You can have as many people in as you want, as many instruments, as many amps, but you still just get one microphone and one song, and we'll put the video on, on YouTube, and uh, we hope to have these coming out regularly. So hey, It's exciting, man. It adds a whole new element with the video yeah. and stuff. It's going to be interesting. We're going to record yours tonight, man. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> And then we also, uh, man, we've been talking too. We uh, we just want to remind everybody, we appreciate everybody that's listening. It's hard to believe we're getting ready to close season four. But the further we get into this, the more people we have contact, the more time it takes, the more gear it takes. And we just want to remind everybody, if you would, uh, we would humbly accept it and, and really appreciate it. But you can go to anchor.fm slash top hill recording and there's a support button and it's real easy to become a monthly subscriber 
monthly sponsor for just 99 cents. 99 cents a month, man. Less than 12 bucks a year. It's like I told you the other day, Neil, most of us, if a dollar blows out of our hand, we're not even going to chase it down. So I'm not going back for it. Yeah. So <laughs> if, uh, if you, uh, enjoy the show and, and wouldn't mind doing that, we'd ask you to consider going to anchor.fm backslash top your recording and become a monthly sponsor for just 99 cents. All right. Mm-hmm. We, uh, out of here. Good talk to you, Spencer. Thanks, Spencer, man. Thank you for having me back. See you next time. Yes, sir.